0: I wouldn't want to spoil that. I, I, I was going to be speaking on something else this morning, and then on Friday I changed direction. And, and uh, even this morning I was like, going, oh, is it the right change or not the right change? And, and actually just coming in at the back end of, of uh, even just listening in on John on the information slot, I'm going, oh, okay, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. And it's one of those subjects where you go, oh, really, if I'm a guest, if you are a guest here today, like, I'm really sorry. Okay, because actually, what I want to talk in on is generosity and generous heart. Okay, so when we, you know, when you go of oh, all the days I could have come along, in this today, okay, uh, there's a reason I reckon why you're here. Okay, it's a reason why I buy a chair, buy another to share, buy a chair, give a pair, whatever, you know. It it it's really it's a heart thing that's going on here. And you're at this point where eventually this building will become ours, okay? We're in faith for that. That one day, we started this process, what, about four years ago, I think. In faith, we're believing that even like within November, okay, that's how close this is, that, you know, that this will be ours, okay? Not yours, ours. I, I feel very much a part of what is going on here. And there's something behind this, that actually, it really matters. It isn't actually just about kicking out a church with new chairs, Okay, it, it, you could do that. You could do that really cheaply and naffly. You could do that badly. You could do that extravagantly. But it's not about the chairs. Okay? Sometimes we'll have people coming in. You, you run a, lo- a lot of groups. and uh, My wife went to military, fitness military training yesterday morning. It was like about 20 women go along to this, and it's like looks and sounds horrendous. But it's not about the military fitness. It's, a, it, it's not about that. And, and we have other groups, cycling groups, and we have uh, lots of activities and lots of different connection points and boxing groups. And it's not about the boxing, it's not about the cycling, there's, it, it's about something more. And actually just when John dropped in here, look, it, it's not about the chairs, it's not about kitting out a place that looks nice or stylish or, or oh wow, I, I kind of like the look of this. The heart behind this is actually, it's for those who are not yet here. That's it. You know, the whole reason why, honestly, why we wanted to buy a building down there. Is that right? That there. Somewhere in Seaford. Fran, if it's that way, then I, I, is it that, I don't know. Whichever way the building is, right now. Look at this. Look at this confusion. There's some <laughs> that way, some that way, some that way. I'm trying to get the orientation. That's the road. That's the, that. The, I think it's that way. Okay, we'll settle on that one. Fran you've just gone from that side to that side Okay I think it's that way Okay I'm looking at the builder over there The builder would know Okay Look the reason is It's not just that we get comfortable in a home It's not for us you know, now there's this dream and this honeymoon period that we don't have to set up the chairs and we don't have to set up the PA system and we don't have to, oh, wouldn't that be amazing and we don't have to pack this up and we can leave it all out. Look, if we think that is what it's about, we are missing the point, okay? This is not about us settling in and putting the slippers on and now going, phew, we can now relax. See, see the danger is, okay, and this you might have gone through some of your thoughts here, that there's probably about 100, 120 people who are part of King Seaford. The building kind of holds 150. Now, do the maths on that, okay? It won't be long, we hope, that actually you go, this place isn't big enough. We haven't even bought it yet, and it's not big enough. But it's not for us. It's not about getting comfortable in there, going, oh, we can now all meet in the morning, and isn't that great it isn't we need to be looking immediately going what does this look like how can we reach how can we bless how can we be part of this community because that is why jesus has called us here that is why we are here so back in the day it was 2008 that we felt god called to us about establishing something in this town of seaford i I remember where i was it was the inauguration of president obama in November, uh, so January 2008. I remember the weekend we'd been away as a leadership, and we said, "God is calling us." We believe to start something in Seaford for Seafood. This isn't just about gathering people. From other church communities who are kind of like going, yeah, we want something with maybe, you know, kind of like a bit of life or a bit more of how we feel about it or a bit more. You know, the reason why we're here is to be a part of this town and community, which is 25,000 people and the surrounding towns and areas, because we want to overspill and be a blessing to them. The very commission that we've been called to, the very, uh, you know, sometimes people say, Graham, I'm not clear on the vision. What is the vision? The vision hasn't changed. Yeah, the vision was written long before me, and it will go on long after us, unless Jesus pops back. The vision is this to make disciples to reach nations, to make disciples in order to reach unreached people, people groups who don't know Jesus. That, that, that is it, that, that is the Great Commission. So, any mass expenditure of a half a million pounds in a building down the road, that way. It's about, Jesus, we want this so that we can accomplish and achieve what you've called us to. Otherwise, we, we shouldn't even be buying it. You know, we've been given enough time to pull out. The reason why we're going for this is because, God, we want to... In, invest into this town and this community we want to see the people in this town and in this community ultimately we want to introduce them to jesus so if we think it is for us and to get oh it's nice to have a home on a sunday morning then honestly i just think we should pull out We, we shouldn't even go for it because it's for those who are not yet here the chairs are for those who are not yet here and that takes a heart response. Uh, we run a project across in Eastbourne called uh, the Sanctuary or the Sanctuary Cafe. And the Sanctuary Cafe is for displaced people, uh, refugees. And it's kind of an advocacy, it's a support, and it's a community, and it's a place that people can come in and feel loved and welcomed and valued. Now, one of the people leading that, she's, you know, she just loves people. You can just see that. And, and they've got a particular heart for those who are marginalized, disadvantaged. And uh, she will go all out to do what she can. And, and quite you know, often she will probably offend some people because she's so passionate about what she does. But she got in a conversation recently with someone who's part of our church. I do not know who it is. It's probably a good thing because in that conversation they were talking about the needs to blessing and be supporting the refugees who have come in from Syria and Iraq and and other places, war-torn situations, wanting to get out and the person who is part of our community said, I don't believe we should be supporting that because charity begins at home. I don't... Where is that in the Bible? God's heart oozes out of the Bible generosity and love and care and compassion. To, to, to have a heart or a mentality to say we, we've got to look after our own first, we've got to look after ourselves, I just don't see that in the Bible. I don't see God's, God's heart. Look after the fatherless, look after the orphan, look after the widow, look after There's so much in the Bible, if you just Google or put in the word justice or compassion and Bible and justice and compassion, and you'll come up with verse after verse after verse after verse, which demonstrates God's heart for the marginalized and those who are disadvantaged, those who are not yet here. So we are being strategically positioned right now, all of you, to go, we're here for a reason and a purpose. God's plan. So don't write yourself off because you don't feel as if you're qualified to be at the table. Because you are at the table for a purpose and a reason. Don't write yourself off because of age, too young, too old. Because you are at the table for a reason. You're in this context here right now. And some of you might just be a guest in today. So I just happened to be passing and I thought I was going to a football match, got dragged in here. Perhaps God's got a plan and purpose for you. The, the importance of generosity, it's a huge discipleship issue. So it, that, you know, the, the danger is, with our cynicism, British culture, with cynicism is that you're only talking about this because you want more chairs and iPads and a crepery in a building down the road. It isn't. We're doing this because we're wanting to reflect God's heart towards the community in which we're living in. This is an issue, a, a discipleship issue. Okay, Jesus said, you know, you become a disciple, make disciples. A disciple is someone who's becoming a little bit more like Jesus every week. Someone came up to me last week and said, oh, you know, they were just reflecting on some of the things I was saying, look, and, and, and in a way they were complimenting me, but I said, look, if, if I can in any way just give a little taste, a tribute, I want to be a tribute act towards Jesus. You know, he's the original, I'm just a tribute occasionally I'll get the right notes in the right place and it will sound a little bit like the original it'll look a little bit like the original and that is my hope and my heart is actually we come a little bit more like the original day by day you know so the sound how I sound how I look I will go do you know what I, I don't just want to you know, I, 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 I want to sound and I want to look a bit more like Jesus every day that's what I believe becoming a disciple is about and so day by day, I want to grow in what does that look like. And one of the biggest areas, especially in our context, is this area, God, I want to, Lord, I want to be more generous. So discipleship, it, you know, people come to, Graham, speak into me about my marriage. Speak into me about my family. Speak into me about my porn addiction, but don't talk to me about my money. He money is the the closed down locked in you don't talk about that and go well talk generosity talk about time and and talk about talent absolutely but one I want to talk about is the treasure because I know that actually in here that needs unlocking so just over a year ago actually at Ashburnham 2017 I was handed a white envelope on the 26th 27th of August last year And on this envelope, it just had the words, remember. And inside the envelope, I opened it up and there was a five pound note inside. It's good, remember. Now go, that's nice, someone's giving you a five pound note. What you might not appreciate is the significance of that. And actually the wording of remember was also significant because inside the envelope, five pounds. Because previously, a number of years back, I remember when we were in a really tight financial spot. We had a young family, young kids, turns out kids are expensive, and our income, dramatically reduced Uh, and I remember crying out I actually even remember that time going do we keep giving do we give we can't afford to give and it was Belinda my wife said we've got to keep on giving we've got to keep doing this and she led the way on it and I just kind of like tucked into her slipstream of faith and I remember crying out to God one time I said God I don't even have five pound to take Belinda out for a drink And I stood up, I remember where I was, I was in our bedroom, and I just, one of those moments, some of you might have been in a situation where it's been so tight, so financially tight, that you're kind of like crying out like that, I don't know what to do. And that word, I don't even have five pounds. And I walked out of the house, within 30 seconds of praying that prayer, and I walked outside the house, and we had a gatepost outside where we used to live, and in the gatepost, as I approached the gatepost, there was a a brand new five-pound note on the floor. There was no one around. And I just felt as if the Lord said, you can take Belinda out for a drink now. What do I do with that? Do I hold on to it for nostalgia's sake? The promises of God, do I put it in a frame? No, actually, <laughs> I don't, perhaps I should have done I took Belinda for a drink with it because that's what God said to use it for. So when someone hands me an envelope and saying, with an envelope in it says, remember five pound. God is just bringing me back to that point and saying, remember his promises. Remember his faithfulness. Remember who he is. So I want us to be in a culture where we're looking to bless. Overspill, something of the heartbeat, something of the, the passion of God that he has for this community. For God so loved the world that he Gave his only son. The very heart of the Christian gospel, if if you're looking in today going, what is Christianity about? Look, The very heart of the Christian gospel is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes. Anyone feel that they're in the whoever category? That's good news because the whoever can come to the table the ill-qualified, the non-qualified, the disqualified, guess what? You get in to come into the table. You get to come in because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, I love that, the whoever. Born out of love for the whoever that he gave. It's not just us. We're not just the lucky ones. We're not just the, hey, we're in. We're like... Actually, I said something fairly shocking last week. Because we ran something, called, uh, we we're very involved in something called Bramba Bakehouse, which is supporting women who have been sexually exploited. And I said to them, "God loves every one of these women." And people went, "Yes, He does. Every single one of these women are incredibly important to Him, and He loves the person who's abused them equally as much." Oh, really? And Blinda said to me this morning, "It was shocking. It was like..." So challenging. Whoever, they're in the whoever category. You go, they're not deserving. Guess what? I am not deserving. I'm in the bad category, not the good category. I am undeserving totally. The whoever. Wow. If that is true, then that is remarkable. Uncomfortable, (laughs) but remarkable. Because, of course, we understand the need for justice, and I'm not decrying that. What I'm talking about is is God's love and God's passion for the whoever. God, help us to to reflect your generous heart. And I know I need to challenge myself and my prejudices and my own heart in some of these things. But I want to be in a place where whoever in Seaford is blessed. Buy a building for the whoever. Let's open the doors for the whoever. Let's have access in for the whoever. Not those who got cleaned up and tidied up and got their life in order and on the right trajectory. It's the whoever. You know, so when the chairs come in and they break, you don't fall out with a person who's broken it or spilt, that's my chair with my name on it. Now, it, it, it's, let, let's... Let's have this heart to say, God, the whoever. You know, they come in, they damage the walls, and they mess it up. And it, God, c- keep my heart from judging. While we were still sinners, it says, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he said, While we were still sinners, while we still lived in disobedience, while we were still alienated from God, while we were still separated, while we were still in that place, Christ died. It wasn't that we got ourselves sorted out first. We didn't get ourselves sorted first. Christ died for us before we were sorted out. I heard a great phrase the other day. Look, acceptance comes before transformation. I'm listening to that going, God, I want to have a heart that's pure enough to, to accept people and then believe that the transformation will take place. The whoever's can come in. And the whoever's can sit on these seats. And the whoever's can drink the coffee and we're not going to question it. And the whoever's can come into an environment whether they're ever going to be a part of us or not so that they get something of the taste and the goodness and the flavor and the overspill of God's goodness. So when it comes to generosity, <laughs> it, it, it really is a heart thing. It's a, a choice thing and it is a faith thing. So when, if when, you got... Uh, some of you've got, like, young kids. Uh, some of you've got grandkids. And you give them a bag of sweets. Or you, you, you remember those, like, uh, long jelly snakes? It's really long jelly snakes. And uh, I remember Ollie, uh, one of the other leaders across in Eastbourne, gave one to Finn one day, his son, seven-year-old son. And uh, he was walking home from school, and Finn had the snake. And uh, Ollie said to Finn, said, Finn, can I have some of your snake? And oh, in a bit, Dad, in a bit, Dad, and carried on eating it and eating it you know In a bit, Dad, in a bit. By the time he got home, there was only a tiny bit of the snake left, and Finn was feeling sick and unwell at this point, and he said, this is for you, Dad, and gave him the leftover scraggly bit at the end. That isn't a heart thing, that's a sense of obligation. That isn't like, oh, that, that isn't the first fruits, you know, this if you read the Bible, there's this principle of something called first fruits. Give from the first. You know, it, I bet some of you got like a fridge magnet with a favourite Bible verse, on. and I bet some of you, if you had a fridge magnet, would say this out of Proverbs three: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So who likes that Bible verse? It's like it's a good one. Okay, I love that. Who's got that as a Bible verse on the? Well done. Okay, you've got that. In in the house, well, the next verse on, well, verse nine says this: Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce, that your barns will be filled with plenty. It's the first fruit principle. It, it's not the leftovers, the scraggly bit of what comes in at the end. It's the first. But look at the promise that is written in there, because this is. If anyone's into economics, this makes no economic sense whatsoever. And the thing about when we're talking about kingdom finance, it doesn't make sense. It it honestly doesn't. And yet somehow in God's ability to provide, it comes through. God is able. Some of you might not like the culture in which we're living in right now. You might be a little bit disappointed with a postmodern culture that no one has any absolutes. No one quite knows what to believe. And and you can believe it as long as you believe it, but please don't force your beliefs upon me. It's postmodernism. Well, and, you go, and you look at it and go, just come in with an absolute, just come in with something, look, here it is, here's, a, here's something that you can hold on as truth, just, and you go, oh, it just seems so uncertain and so flaky and so flimsy, and we go, oh, what is society turning to today, post-modernism? I tell you what, modernism isn't much better, because modernism taught us to be rational in our thinking. It's all this to exclude the idea that God is a god of the impossible. It's eroded faith within the church. There was a, a survey that was taken so I'm way off piece dear, but there was a survey that was taken recently by a BBC Commissioner Survey only a few weeks back. And they asked the question, Do you believe in miracles? And actually there was a, a, a large percentage, I think it's something like oh I can't remember, sixty percent of society believed in miracles. And actually the biggest group of people who did believe in miracles was this group called the millennials, the, the nuns. Which is quite surprising because I have no fixed religion and yet they're the ones who were the most open to the idea of the supernatural and the miracles. And then he talked about those who are regular church goers. And the regular church goers were amongst the lowest level of people who actually believed in miracles. 37% of church going, regular church going, actually believed in the miracles that Jesus performed was the question. And faith has been eroded out of the church to take God at his word. Because if we believe God at his word, and it says, I believe in prayer, then we'll be praying more. If we, if we believed God, if we believe that God, when he says, I will supply all of your needs, you'd be going, hey, why do I need this? Because God has already promised that it will supply my needs. So there's a kingdom thought that needs to come in here. We're wrestling with with society that has shaped us, knocked us into its way of thinking. Uh, Paul says, when he's writing to the church in Rome, he said, don't conform to the patterns of the world. Don't be influenced, don't be shaped. Instead... Be influenced and conformed to, but be renewed by the transformation of your mind. Get your head in gear how God thinks. And one of those ways in which to get how God thinks is to line ourselves up with how God views his things. So let's believe that God, when he says i will supply your needs, we dare to believe and trust that God will supply what he promises. I love this, this story because I was talking this recently and somebody came to me and said, there's a lovely lady called May. She used to live in Seaford part of uh, the New Frontiers Church, way back. And uh, May's a lovely, lovely, lovely lady, pensioner. It's probably touching about 100. <laughs> she's not really. She's. I tell her that every time I see her. She's probably 80-ish. And uh, she tithes. And somebody came to tell me off for the week, tithes, as in giving a tenth of what she gets in from pension. And uh, she gives that tenth, and she gives it to the church. And someone said, someone, said, so tell May she's stop tithing. And I said, don't tell me. You go and t- you go and challenge you, May. Come and, so I got May up the other week. T- said May, you need to come and defend yourself. So May came up and said, "Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean?" Because May is not a spotlight person. And uh, I said, May, come and defend yourself. Someone tells me that May, you shouldn't be tithing to the Lord. C- defend yourself. And she stood up and said, "I can't afford not to tithe." So what do you mean? He said, "Well, when my husband left me with young children all those years ago." Someone told me then to stop giving to the church and the Lord would understand or stop giving to the Lord and he would understand. So I stopped giving for a while and nothing kind of worked. Nothing was right. Nothing was happening. It just kind of wasn't happening. So I thought to myself, I've stopped giving to the Lord. I'm going to start giving to the Lord. So she started giving to the Lord and she said, from this day onwards, the Lord has supplied everything that I need. I can't afford not to tithe. And you look at that, you go, this is a hard thing in this. God, help me to put you first in my finances. Help me, Look, I'm on a journey. You're on a journey. I'm definitely on a journey on this one because it really is so much about a heart think. It's also about choices. Generosity always starts with a choice. It decisions on how we spend the money. Now, some of you came over a few weeks ago. It was, uh, we had 30 days of prayer, and we had a big party to end it. it just happened to coincide, happened to come with my birthday party. And so uh, halfway through, there was this big cake that was brought out to celebrate my birthday. Three-tiered thing, it was amazing. Top layer, it was, uh, what was it, a lime drizzle cake, drizzled with white chocolate on the top, and raspberry kool very good. Middle layer, uh, carrot and something buttercream cake. Bottom layer, uh, walnut coffee and Brazil nut. Okay, amazing, okay, it, it was definitely worth eating. And I remember them chopping it up and I went into the kitchen chopping it up. It was a surprise to me and suddenly I was presented with this cake and I was going, how much of the cake can I keep? You know, I've got all these people out here and, and, but how much can I keep back? How much can we put in the freezer? How much can we take home? I was in this, this is such a good cake. You know. Th- this cake, it, and there's still some in our freezer now, but how much of the cake do I get to keep? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Guess what? Everything belongs to the Lord. It, he owns the cake. It's his cake. It's not my cake. So it's not the question of how much do I get to keep. it's, it's how much how much should I hold back and how much should I be, what should I be doing with the cake? It's, earth is the Lord. It's it's not mine. I want uh, get this cake out. Don't hold on to it. Get this cake. Lord. It's yours. So a number of years ago, there was uh, an elderly lady, and we would often pop in to see her. Uh, she was a spinster. Spinster's Spins never married. Never been married. And uh, I- she used to own, back in the day, a knitting shop. And uh, when I knew her, she would knit all of her own clothes. And you, know, so I- I- and you would go into this house and you would think, you know, she, there's poverty. There's, there's no money. She has no money. And so we would just dro- drop in and we'd just be kind and we, we were able to put a, a kitchen in, we painted up, we got rid of some mold that was in there and things like that. And she said, Oh, when I've gone, you will look after things. Say, of course, Joan, don't worry about it. When you've gone, you will look after this. Of course, it's fine. It's fine. When she'd gone, <laughs> when she died, what I didn't realize was she'd left like the house to a church and something else to someone else. And she'd left to me, as a trustee, something like £320,000 now what could i do with that money so i bought myself a car and a new house and went on holiday i didn't do i couldn't i didn't i couldn't why not because that money was left in trust i was a guardian of the money and i had to spend that money in line with her will her desire this was her wishes The money belonged to her, and now she was instructing me how to handle this and how to utilize it. And so one of those things that she stipulated that it needed to bless children living in poverty. Great, well, my two children didn't qualify. But there was a whole bunch of kids out in Zimbabwe that did. And so one of the investments that she made was to purchase 10 acres of land in Trinanza area of Bulawayo, in which we've built a school and now are supporting 150 children. But I couldn't hold that money. It wasn't mine to hold. I had to spend it in line with her will. The earth is the Lord's. Everything, everything we have is his. So, if you're, when you become a Christian, you can't, or before a Christian, it's kind of like, you know, this line, you got, it's all mine, and you go, this is mine, this is mine, this is how I'm going to spend it, and then you go, oh, okay, this is kind of like, oh, perhaps it's not all mine, and you start to look up, and you start on this journey to go, it's all his. And you go from like, all mine to all his kind of understanding. And then we go through a, a you know, oh, oh, okay, I feel I ought to give, there's a bucket at the back, as a little sign by giving, Drop some money into that, and the coins don't rattle too much and you know you we go well that's a sense of obligation and then we start talking about what's this this tithe thing this tenth you know this biblical principle of giving a tenth what, what's that about so come well, on that's a challenge and then you go oh is that a is that before tax is it after tax and you, st- you start negotiating down on it and, and it's a challenge and then you go okay and that's a sense of uh, obedience so you go from all mine to obligation to obedience But I reckon there's another journey to go on. It's a journey into generosity. It's beyond obedience. And some of you are way further on than me on this one. But it's a journey that we're going, God, do I dare trust you in this? Now, some of that means that I've got to be careful in how I spend the resources that I have. It's not mine. God, I've got, it's a heart thing here, it's a head thing here. I've got to now start to utilize, am I spending this money that I have got in a way that you would approve? Now, okay, so that could be about being wise, about how we distribute the money that we have so that more people can be blessed as a result. So I said it's a heart thing, and it is a choice thing. It's what can we do? Can we get ourselves into a place where we go, God, am I spending this? Am I utilizing your resources in line with your heart, and in line with your will. It's a heart thing, it's a choice thing, and it's also a faith thing. Generosity is always about faith. Because just jumping back away, in terms of stewardship, there's loads of needs within Seaford. And there doesn't need to be any needs in Seaford. There's loads of needs in the world, there doesn't need to be any needs, it could be met. The Lord owns everything. He's a massive supplier, and we've got a massive need. He's looking for some people who can sit in the middle as good stewards who will look after it well on his behalf. So I was chatting to someone last week. I went to a football match last week with someone, and uh, it, while it was uh, his fiance, he said to his fiance one day, he said, do you mind if one day, uh, if I become a multimillionaire? actually genuinely believes he's called by God to become very wealthy. And he said, so one day, do you mind if I become a multimillionaire? And she came back and said, as long as you don't mind giving it away the next day. But all right, I can live with that. So they got married. And he's setting up businesses. And his heart is to go, God, I don't know. It's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. If you want to make these businesses successful, it's yours. If you want to make me a multimillionaire, make me a multimillionaire so I can give it away the following day help us to be good stewards so to one person you know the story of gave 10,000 pounds or whatever to one servant, and another gave 5,000 to another to the you know give 1,000 and Jesus told this story said to the one who gave 10 well done you've doubled it great well done so one of 5,000 well done you've doubled it and then there was one person with a thousand you didn't do anything with it you just buried it into the ground why have you done that for you know you know the parable, the story. The story, the one point out of this is that utilize, be good stewards of what you've got. Get a hold of it. God, I, I want it to be a heart thing. Get my heart right. I want to be a choice thing. But I want to grow in my faith as well. Can we outgive God? So you might have heard that phrase, we can't outgive God. <laughs> I remember hearing a, a, a pastor friend, well, my friend wasn't, a pastor tell a story about he'd been on his journey to give and give and started off small and he was growing and okay and he got to a point where he just believed god when he said give it and he so he gave it and then one day he found himself that he just that's it i've given everything it's all gone aha i've proved it god i cannot give you and within about 10 seconds of in making that statement the phone rang and it was some ceo of a international organization saying oh pastor I've got a private jet that I want to give to you at your disposal. You can fly anywhere with it across the states and across the world. And then it felt immediately that God said to him, you can never outgive me. Now, I'm not saying you will all get private jets. Okay? And I'm not certainly talking about this thing called prosperity gospel where you give in order to get. I do believe in prosperity, but with purpose. I do believe it. I think it's a biblical principle that God wants to prosper us in order so that others can get prospered by it. Others can get blessed as a result. I, I do believe that. And it's starting with where we're at on this. Where's the journey? The point is this, Paul said in Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, But God loves a cheerful giver and is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food and will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Promises of God that he will multiply if we dare to believe and let go. If we dare sow, we will reap. Not for our benefit, but ultimately for the benefit of others. And they'll show something of the goodness and the kindness of God. So it's kind of like a little bit, I wasn't going to go there this morning, but perhaps there's just something in this that God is speaking to us, God. Just as we go out for buying chairs in the building, make sure our heart's right in this. Help us to steward our resources really well so that more people can be blessed as a result. And God, I want to grow my faith. It's a faith thing here. I want to grow as a disciple. And this is a massive area for us, particularly in the Western world, where we go, do you know what, it's mine. I need to save for a rainy day. God, help us to utilize and believe that you will genuinely supply all of our needs, as your word says. <coughs> help was to buy chairs abundance of chairs help me to buy one chair and 10 other chairs help me to have the resources necessary god so you can trust me with what you're giving me trust me with a five pound and remember my promises so father pray for that over us as this congregation in this town lord that we're not here for ourselves; that we're here for those who are not yet here i pray father through us that many, many will come to know you. Because that is what we're ultimately about, is introducing people to Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you, broken for you. Do this, remember me in the same way after supper he took the cup and said this cup is the new covenant the new promise the new deal in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life and so this 33 year old man in his prime the oldest son of a widowed mother sinless and perfect in every way no fault ever found in him and yet he planned it and he left the glory of heaven and he took on human flesh flesh with nerve endings to the nails of the cross brought human back for a place to be scourged A brow and a skull as place for the thorns. Cheeks for the kiss of Judas and the soldiers spit. Hands and feet ready for the spikes. A side exposed for a sword to pierce. A brain and a spinal cord to feel the entire excruciating death. And he gave himself up for you. So that whoever believes will not perish we thank you lord as we come and remember this your body broken your blood spilled for us that we were one time or still the whoever believes that none of us were outside of your grace and your love and your mercy thank you that you included us that we now belong (laughs) let's come and break bread together Let's remember him, the one who gave it all.